0: Handy point would be handy. Yes,
1: those were the wise, prophetic words of Marcus Fudo. And this is the only show where you'll get the nuts and bolts, hardline, evidence-based definitions of danger games, Anthony Hudson's candidate for the ultimate journeyman, and, of course, handy, handy points. You are listening to the Free Dictionary on Sin. I'm Harper Pestinger, and with me first up is Hamish O'Brien, who in a big, big week of AFL news is here to discuss the truly important stuff. How are you, Hamish?
0: I'm well, thank you.
1: How are you going? Going very well. Thank you very much, and uh, all the more well for having uh, the third panellist on the show. As always, Con- Connor, Buttergee. Connor, how are you? And- you duck up a little gem for us. Actually, tell us just straight off the bat where's where this gem from and when is this gem from?
2: Well, I am good, thank you, Harper. But um, <laughs> yeah, this I was just um, scrolling through North Melbourne's reserves page during the week on Instagram. <laughs> as you do. And I actually, as yeah, a, a, yeah a, um, a pinned post on the page is uh, of George Wardlaw kicking his first goal as a North Melbourne player in the VFL. And. Uh, the commentators rolled with this. George Wardlaw, pick number four in last year's National Draft, he crosses 50 to the city end of Arden Street, puts it on its way, it's starting to work back nicely, Oh, yes. oh welcome to the big time George, <laughs> <laughs> big finish for the young man. Connor's oh, got his head in his hands. <laughs> Um, I look I love it I love how up and about he was. That was like it was great to listen to but I don't think Georgie was um sitting back in his draft year visualising the big time and thinking of uh, a Saturday Arvo game at Arden Street in the twos. Against Port
0: Melbourne. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, not, it's not quite the big time, is it?
1: It's not quite a 20-point loss as well. It wasn't exactly – maybe it was close at <laughs> that point. I don't know. It wasn't exactly a, a match winner. But uh, just to confirm, big time, pretty pretty basic definition. It's just the AFL, right, boys? Agree with that?
0: Yeah. yeah so I was going to ask you, boys, is there ever a time at AFL level where it's not acceptable to use big time? For instance, if you're getting smacked by 120 points and you're playing in front of 13,000 people – it's uh <coughs> what is it, Heritage Bank Stadium. Can you allow it then? Yeah, I think I think I was just
2: thinking that it's it's more than just AFL to be the big time. But if it's I think if it's his first goal in the AFL just in general, I think I'd accept it. Even if it was North getting pumped by sixty points, I think I'd take the big time. But in general, the big time's gonna be a bit more than just a ones game, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, I think the context of it really matters. I think if you are at Heritage Bank Stadium, it could be the big time if you're a Gold Coast player, because like that's that's almost the biggest you get a a home game. So yeah, it's like the limit, the ceiling of big time. But um, the the example that comes to mind for me is is Josh Begley. I reckon it might have been 2018 or something. He debuted at what was then Metricon Carrara Heritage Bank Stadium against the Suns, kicked a couple goals and. for for Essendon because I think Essendon has these big time games these blockbuster games they're a big club they play at the G all the time a game on the Gold Coast for them is not big time but if you're a Gold Coast player debuting wherever it is I reckon it's big time Amish
0: that's fair although I guess it just comes under the whole thing doesn't it that the AFL is the big time like you talk about the draftees get interviewed and they talk about wanting to make the big time so um, I think I'd, I'm happy to let it slide for any goal, but it, I think it is a bit overused. and There's definitely bigger times than others.
1: Well, I reckon there are some times which are almost too big to be labelled big times. For example, Marlon Pickett, his goal in the, uh, what was it, 2019 Grand Final, yeah. that's not welcome grand to the stage. big time.
2: That's grand it's, stage.
1: It, yeah, is it, is it w- welcome to the grand stage? What, what, what do you go with, Connor?
2: Yeah, I'd say the grand stage or, well, yeah, I think so. That's what did B.T. say again?
0: He said Marlon Pickett to put the dagger in the... In the heart. In the nail in the, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> the yeah. dagger in the so, nail
1: in the coffin. To put the dagger in the heart on
2: grand final day? <laughs> something
0: yeah, like it's that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's something ridiculous. But uh, we spoke about George Ward not being a match winner in that particular game for Port Melbourne. Someone else who, in my mind, wasn't a match winner was jo- John Noble. Uh, again, against the Crows last week. Now, this game, like we said, was from a uh, couple couple rounds ago now, but I think it's worth talking about because this is an article from a friend of the show, Pete Ryan. I'm still happy to give him a whack even though he's been on the, the pod before. Um, so he called John Noble in an article for The Age the round seven match winner. Now, uh, Connor, I'll put this to you first. Are you a match winner when you put your team from seven points behind, to one point <laughs> behind, and then a couple of your teammates they sprinkle a couple of behinds in to win the game and uh, win the game for the team by a point? Uh, is John Noble the match winner in that situation, Connor?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so at all. But the question I want to put to Hamish is. Though it was a point, and it was the last point of the game, is still sidewinder a match winner. Even though, like, does the fact that it was a point, does that change anything in your mind, Hamish?
0: I think it's more of a match-winning score. I think when you use the term match minute, match winner, sorry, mm. it's it's more reflective of someone's performance across the full four quarters. Versus, um, it, I mean, it can be a moment, but in this case, when they were talking about John Noble, I think it's more referring to the fact that. You sort of held Collingwood's drive in the last quarter and got them back into it. and It's not necessarily reflective of just that last goal that he kicked. Um, and as for side bottom, I think it's a match-winning point, but to call side bottom the match winner, it's oh, it's probably a bit of a stretch. What do you reckon, Arthur? Well, t- similarly,
1: uh, uh, maybe I'll ask this to Conor. I've never heard anyone label uh, Tony Locker a match-winner for his behind after the siren in the 96 preland against Essendon. Match-winning point, but, but not the match-winner because I think you need to get the, the, the maximum the, through the big sticks to be the match-winner, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And just to rebut you, Hamish, um, I think the context of what our boy Pete was saying, just reading the first sentence, it does say the round seven match winner was just the fifth career goal. So I think he was referring to that goal as the match-winning goal. Oh, wow,
0: yes. So well, he though,
2: though he might have been, as you said, he probably an, an important part uh, in getting the pies back into the game. So he was a match winner in that way. I don't think that's what Petey's going with.
1: Well, it's a bit confusing. It's a bit of a weirdly mm. constructed sentence. I'll just read it out to people. Uh, it's the round seven match winner comma was just the f- our fifth career goal for the 26-year-old comma who became a rookie via the mid-season draft. So it's a bit ambiguous isn't it? Hamish no. this kind of could be describing yeah. both things but either way it's wrong.
0: <laughs> I've only got the <laughs> screenshot in front of you but can you remember what he said prior to that sentence? Harper have you got any memories? Yeah well the, so the premise of the article is comparing
1: uh, John Noble to Buddy Franklin because they've both had uh, both played in seven games decided by one point, um, and John Noble's hardly played any games. He's played like seventy six, I think, and Buddy's played like three hundred and fifty. Um, so it was a uh, interesting contrast between those two. But I don't really think that helps in uh, Pete's case against this. So uh, bang the hammer, I find him guilty.
2: Yeah, I'm agreeing. Yeah, fair. I don't I don't like it. I think it's too broad anyway, even if he was going for Amish saying, I think it's uh it leaves it it leaves it open to be misunderstood,
0: mm. I think. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in this case, just because when I read it I took it as him being the match winner across the whole game. But it probably, as kind of said, leaves it a little bit open to interpretation. So it's a bit it's a bit borderline, it's a bit 50-50, Harper.
1: Is it? Match winner across the whole game. So is that like a performance? um, Yeah, like a match winning performance. performance, Like Nick Day Anzac Day type thing?
0: Yeah, perhaps. Um, What do you have? I I just remember he was very influential in the last quarter. So, I mean, match winner could be last quarter, I reckon, count as a quarter's performance. Just to sort of put this on its head, I mean, probably stretched on with this a bit too much, but
2: could it be argued that, like I just sort of think, I don't even know if many people would be in agreement to this, but Joel Sowell in the grand final, the first half I thought was one of the better individual games I've seen in a while. Can you have a match-winning performance in the first two or three quarters? Like, Can you, especially in a game that ends up being a blowout, can that be a match-winning performance? I,
1: I don't think you can have a match-winning performance in a blowout. Yeah. Nice, I reckon
0: I, yeah true they'd go with the game breaking performance game breaking yeah, reckon. Game-breaking. yeah, yeah exactly I think it has to be a close game for it to be considered match winning because um, you need someone mm. to be the difference otherwise if it's a blowout then you've got so many blokes contributing that nothing's really standing out yeah yeah you're right well, just, just to
1: further us along a little bit more just the last thing on match winners and match winning performances etc um whether it's the goal or the player, can can it be a match winner? Um, If it's with ten minutes to go in the last quarter, it's the goal that puts you ahead. and It's the last goal, but there's ten minutes to go. Is that still the match winning goal? What do you think, Connor?
2: Oh, it's so hard. Like I mean, in theory it is, but it just doesn't sound
0: right. I don't. I don't like right. it. Jars. Yeah. Maybe if they, I feel like they do say this a bit go. Oh, it ultimately proves to be the match-winning goal or something along those lines. The eventual, yeah. Yeah, or the last goal prevailed or something like that. But, yeah, it Uh, doesn't sit.
1: I think it has to come at a point where the commentator would have some confidence in saying, And that is the match winner, or yeah. something like that. And they're not—they're not, they're not going <laughs> to bust that out 15 minutes through the, through the final term, are they? But uh, while while we're on Collingwood, this is. Uh, Look, it's a shame we couldn't get Darren Dong and Dixon on for this one. He was unavailable this week. But um, you may or may not have seen Mason Cox uh, appearing on the, the American version of the TV show 60 Minutes this week because he is, uh, as hard as it is to believe, he is American, Mason Cox, just worth turning <laughs> to people who didn't know, I think. Uh, but he was on 60 Minutes with uh, John Wertheim in a YouTube video uh, titled Australian Rules Football Star, Mason Cox Explains How to Play... Aussie rules.
0: The game isn't easy to explain, but it's been described as a mixture of soccer, football, and basketball. And it's one of the roughest sports out there. Looking ball, danger field. Rich with a well time fist, crips. We travel to the land down under to learn more about how Aussie rules is played. How do you explain this sport? outsiders? Yeah, AFL is a, it's unique. It's unlike anything in the world. I think it's the toughest sport in the world with how much you have to run, the, the collisions, everything. There's really no rules to it. You can tackle, you can come kind of punch people, and you have sticks on either end. You just have to kick it through, and whoever does that more wins. Describe that with excitement. This, this, this anarchy, uh, you, you like this. Yeah, like it's just a, it's a chaotic sport that no one really knows about bar Australia.
1: Look, there's a lot to break down there, Connor. You you you're cringing, your head was in your hands, and look, this time I'll forgive Mason calling the sport AFL, even though he is a uh, multiple-time offender, um, but question for you is, uh, how, how do you think you would describe Aussie rules to a foreigner, and why is it? Not at all like Mason has done that to uh, John Wertheim.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't even know how I would start by describing it. That might be a Hamish thing. But I just want to say, for I don't know what Mason is watching or playing when he's out there because for a game that's so highly and I guess controversially officiated, for him to say that there's no rules is just... It's disgusting. I I don't (laughs) understand where that's come from. And secondly... In what world can you just run around and punch blokes, as he said?
0: Yeah. Like, where, does that come, where has he been told that or shown that? It's deplorable. And it, what it does remind me of is about 10 years ago when the AFL released the What is AFL? Aussie Rules Explained video, which I've watched numerous times to people reacting to it. And they you know, they yeah. talk about the game and describe it in the same way that Mason has, that there's basically no rules and it's just a base. It's a free for all, is what they describe it. It's mm. funny because I think the AFL go down this when they market the game overseas or just wherever they advertise it as a brutal sport with all the bumps and all the the tackles and the the punch-ons and that sort of thing. Yet it's the very thing that they're trying to stamp out of the game. So yeah. it's bizarre.
1: Yeah, like I, I could just picture right now some American reacting to an AFL. Biggest hits oh, video, and yeah. what the flame on heck is going on here? Kind of thing. There are <laughs> hundreds of those on where are the pads, YouTube. and it's <laughs> where, where <are> the pads. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> it is uh, embarrassing. Uh, I think uh, a blight on our sport. Though there, there are some lovely American fans out there, as as we know, uh, Amish. Uh, it's <laughs> there are some really, really. Annoying ones.
2: I think the only reason I don't absolutely hate it as much as I might have just seemed to uh, say, the only good thing about it is that that Aussie Rules is getting airtime in the States and he is trying to sell the game to the Americans, so I'll it's give him that.
1: It's called though, Connor.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like catfishing, I feel like. It is. Because an American's going to come over here and though they're going to be impressed with what they see, I'm a firm believer that if footy had more universal um, access to it. It'd be so much bigger, but they're going to be expecting blokes to just Barry hole Andrew Gaff each other, just throw haymakers, (laughs) which is not going to be the case.
0: Well, I think the prop, the product is good enough to be selling on its own as it is right now without all the extra punching and stuff. So why have to throw that into, you know, make it a bit more, give it a bit more pizzazz. There's no need for it. Well, uh, I have
1: spoken to Donna in the last few days and, um, I think he's, he kind of says that it's just such a foreign concept and it's so different to anything else. It's almost hard to know how to compare it. And like our, our love for it is so great, but, um, people really need to listen to a radio show like the footy dictionary to really know why. Cause it's all mm. the niche things. It's not the big hits necessarily like it is for, uh, rugby league. Yeah. No, rugby. I
0: hate.
2: I hate trying to sell it by comparing it to other sports because I think footy mm. is just so unique. Like everything about football is so so unique, yeah. and it just by comparing it to other things, it kind of undersells it a little bit.
1: And like the founding fathers of football weren't basing it off another sport. Like it came around yeah. before most of these sports. There mm. were rules put in place well, 160 years ago.
0: Was it inspired by Gaelic footy or was Gaelic footy inspired by AFL? That- I reckon, it. I think AFL was inspired by
2: Gaelic, and that actually yeah. that is a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. That's the only probably reasonable comparison you
0: can make.
1: True, but you're not going to hear John Wertheim or Mason Cox on 60 Minutes. It's a mix of soccer, basketball, and Gaelic football. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. hear that. It's though. got
0: running, it's got <laughs> jumping, it's football like you've never seen before.
2: And just to add, I don't think it was in this clip that we've just played, but I'm all but 100% certain either the. Bloke interviewing all said at one point in this interview that it's a mix uh, that it's got something to do with cricket i'm literally like, yes, positive yes he did one oh, of them wait, said oh, that i can confirm that i'll play it now
0: it's unlike anything else you've ever seen it's probably the the roughest sport in the world i'd say it's a mix of basketball football um, it's a mix of soccer uh cricket even there's really no rules and that is just
2: that is a genuine disgrace like that actually really really just grinds my gears boys
1: (laughs) like is he just talking about the field that could be the only thing right what else could it possibly be is it like a six like six points and six runs i don't know does mason cox even know what a six is be surprised
2: yeah, and as a yank, what does Coxie even know about cricket in the first place?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking Speaking a spell, yanks, <laughs> maybe somewhere sense. along the line, he um, he read in the history of the game that it was a game that was invented to keep cricketers during, keep, keep fit during the winter times, and he's just thought, <laughs> yeah, that's where the environment <laughs> for cricket's come from. It's like cricket, it's got ruined, it's,
2: it's just weird. The only, <laughs> no, the only, what it would be is. The Sydney Creek Gown and the Melbourne Creek Gown. That's where he'd tie the two together, I reckon. That's the only way mm. he would bring them together. It's a, it's a funny one. And, and speaking of funny ones, famously,
1: uh, Mason Cox, he, he kicked three goals in that uh, 2018 prelim against Richmond. And for his third, uh, Bruce McEvaney put a, a neat little bow on it with a, a timely pop culture reference.
2: it Cox again. to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate
1: like this. Now, Hamish, firstly, uh, do you know who Billy Graham is, yes or no?
0: Yes, he was a, uh, how do you say it, the the pastor, the pastor. (laughs) Preacher. Wasn't he the the preacher? Yes,
1: he Uh, he was. And look, I wouldn't be that confident that that many people would know about him. He was an American uh, evangelical preacher uh, who pulled in 130,000 people there at the MCG for his, his wise, wise, Mark Frasciuto-esque uh, words in 1959. Um, but my, my question for you, Hamish, is uh, can an evangelist like Billy Graham ever dominate <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Well, he probably, I mean, he pulled in big crowds, so what can you say? He dominated well, Airways, no, he dominated the public forum. That's what he did. He, he spoke to the masses and they came en masse to the G and they congregated and he just delivered one of the finest performances that the 1950s ever saw.
1: I think if you asked Billy Graham himself about it, he'd only want to be saying one uh, one person was dominating and that was the man upstairs, not him. He'd be, he'd be real humble about it.
0: Oh, for sure. And did they have the... Um, uh, what's it what, What's it What do you call it What do you say The uh, uh Edit this out This I don't know where to go The, <laughs>
1: <way of> <laughs> the evangelistic uh, Here on Sin you will to that Of course uh, But Lord hear our someone. prayer Want to come preach with- your love
0: To the mighty <laughs> Our God above No Nothing That's fine Whatever, Crickets Edit the crickets You've given us Absolutely nothing the <laughs>
1: okay. not going to be happy with you, mate. Uh, moving on from Billy Graham and religion and the like. And into mm-hmm. into the real footy stuff now. This is why we call ourselves the Footy Dictionary here on SIN with Harper Pesting and Hamish Show, Brian and Connor, Gee This is from AFL Daily. Uh, I think the name describes the podcast really. And this is Nat Edwards previewing, previewing even uh, Fremantle versus Hawthorne. For me, I think they're just so desperate to to get a win and try and get some momentum. This game against Hawthorne, like a lot of people would see it as a, a potential danger game for Fremantle, given the Hawks haven't been playing all that bad. They're kind of free-o, I think it's fair to say, kind of down in the doldrums this season. When you're widely considered to be out of the finals race like Frio are, are there any danger games? And when you're out of form, you've lost a couple games in a row by about 50 points. Uh, Can you have a danger game? I don't think so.
2: Well, I think realistically every game is a danger game when you're not playing well because you're at danger of losing. But I think a danger game, yeah, it's more for, I'd say, top. I'm going to say not even top eight, a top four to six side is what I would refer to as a danger game when they're playing someone who is, um, yeah, looking, looking okay. Like Hawthorne have been looking okay the last couple of weeks. Uh, after being criticised but no, I don't think, I'm not giving this a pass, I'm giving it a suspension (laughs) red (laughs) Uh,
0: I I actually disagree with you Connor, I think a danger game, you can be considered to be playing a danger game if you're the favourite in any game, well actually I don't completely disagree with you now I think about it, but if you're somewhat in the mix of finals still, which Mm. Fremantle I mean they're borderline but they're probably, you know, they've they're well below expectations, so I guess if they get things going, they're still a little bit in the mix, and they really needed to win this one. Um, so the fact that they've gone in as favourites, I think automa- automatically makes it a bit of a danger game.
1: But are they um, they, they lost the two games before that by like 50 <laughs> points, Hamish.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, but they made finals last year, and they're trying to get their season back on track. and. I mean, even with all those losses, most people would put this down as a free win, as they did. So coming into the game, because of those expectations and the expectation that they needed, somewhat get their season back on track, I'd say that it could be considered a danger game because that loss is one that you really don't want to drop and Hawthorne want to bounce back. So I can see where it's coming from.
1: I think teams like Hawthorne, North Melbourne, West Coast, we can call them potential Banana skins, right? Especially if they've got a little bit of confidence after a couple good performances or something like that, and you're going to hit the ground harder. Your impact is going to be greater if you fall over the banana skins. If you go and you're going at a fast pace already, Frio they're just strolling along. They're, they're not like careering towards the top eight or anything like that. So if if they fall over, like the, the stakes aren't even that high because their season is the shambles anyway.
0: Well, maybe this is a Carlton thing because, as he was, I'm a, I'm an avid big footy reader, um, <laughs> as any self respecting football supporter should be. And um, if I was to get anything out of the Carlton board, it'd be that every game we play is a danger game, every single one of them. <laughs> and I think maybe it's more of a me- mentality thing that we're just probably a bit fragile upstairs and uh, don't have any trust in our side whatsoever. But I think the fact that they are teetering a little bit, Fremantle, makes it more of a danger game than if they're coasting because it gives that sort of nervous edge to their supporters. I was going to say, Hamish, on your beloved baggers,
2: um, Mm -hmm. I think you guys were, not to bring it back up too much, I think you guys were marginally favourites Friday night. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, we were. um, But just hear me out. (laughs) Even
2: though, like, I'm sure you would have... I don't think it would have been a pass to say it's a danger game for the Blues, even though they were favourites, because really Brisbane are in their grand final window. So w- could you even mm. refer to that as a danger game?
1: You can't have a danger no. game against a top eight team.
0: No, that's fair. That's, that's a good point you make. Although that being said, I, I completely agree with you, but we weren't really favourites, I don't think. Like, yeah. In, yeah. A, a lot of that came down to the fact that we were at home and you know we just thrashed. Of waffle side over in Perth and that sort of thing. So um, the betting line probably wasn't very suggestive of how much confidence any Carlton fans actually had in the side. So it was a little bit questionable with a favourite favouritism. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: I want to ask something to you, and I, well, I want to kind of test the parameters of our definition of a danger game. So we all we're all kind of in agreement that it's. A high-stakes game where you are the favourites playing against a side kind of kind of near the bottom, but ha- perhaps have a bit of fire in the belly and could spring an upset. Right? We agree on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The team's got to be rated lower than you too, so what kind of, yeah. of Brisbane makes sense? Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well maybe this is stretching it a bit. But let's say Hawthorne are playing Frio late on in the season and they wanna they wanna finish bottom to get that prize number one draft pick. So <laughs> <laughs> if Hawthorne don't wanna beat Frio, is it a danger game for them because they are high chance of winning?
2: Nah, you're pulling, you're pulling <laughs> my le- you our legs a bit here, I reckon. Y- you're clutching his jaws
1: already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, now we'll, oh. we'll move on from that. Swiftly, because uh, that perhaps was a bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, we had on Friday night that uh, Carlton Brisbane game that we're, we were talking to, and uh, it was billed by many parts of the media as Charlie versus Charlie, Kurnow versus Cameron, CC versus CC. And all I want to know from you guys; um, these two are pretty uh, good examples of it. But there are a few other players out there, aren't there? Um, <laughs> who just aren't really referred to by commentators by their surname, right? Oh, I can think of a few. Oh,
0: who can you think of, Arthur?
1: <laughs> right. Okay, throw it back. Oh, I think the number one's got to be uh, Eddie.
2: Mm. Uh, I would actually oh, – I would argue the number one's Dusty.
0: So, oh, so oh. I was going to say, say it with me because yeah. I would have <laughs> yeah. Dusty, but um, when they say Eddie, they love to string it as Eddie Betts. Like it's it rolls off the tongue sure. as Eddie Betts, so he gets a lot of surname action in there. What about Buddy Number One? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, that's up there. Well, Lance doesn't even get a look in, but they do yeah. call him Franklin a bit still. So John Longmire calls him Lance, but he's he's not a <laughs> media
2: performer. It's like his mother, pretty much.
0: Is there, yeah. a, is there a personal uh, wavelengths to each other? They sort of. Uh, What's the word? They they, uh, confide in each other, John, and when it's uh, it's a bit more of a personal relationship. I'm always going to
2: sort of – obviously the one that I've got is Max Gorn, but I think that's more just uh, Hamish McLaughlin tends to do that, and he loves just calling him Big Max or Max repeatedly. But I think Dusty I'll almost give it a pass to because – I far as Dusty's not even his actual name, it's Dustin. But I think Dusty's a bit more unique, whereas just saying like Eddie or Charlie is just a bit annoying, Cause especially because yeah. there's so many Charlies and or Matt, like it's just such a common name, whereas Dusty's sort of like, it's just him. No one really calls him Dustin or Martin.
1: I, I think it's um very well suited to... uh kind of on and off players and well it's it's almost always like the explosive types like forwards or midfields you don't hear it for defenders like Harris Andrews is going to be Harris is he even though that's a unique name like Joe, Joe Danaher as well he, he, he is Joe like you say Joe and you know who you're talking about
2: I reckon mm. another one um, and this is more Bruce McAvaney, especially, but Cyril. He, I don't yes. think I ever heard him say just Cyril, <laughs> remarkable.
1: <laughs> 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 and we did put the question out on Reddit, and you can check us out on Reddit or Twitter or Instagram or even TikTok uh, at Dictionary HQ. And uh, we asked the AFL subreddit for. The greatest place, not called by their surname. And the one that really stood out to me from here, uh, this is from Atomic Mole is Cool, uh, was Aaliyah.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Yeah, it, but it's a it bit is- of a say that is just I'm brilliantly just done <laughs> right whoever wrote that in i'm just
0: a bit disappointed to be honest <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, you were building that up for something really exciting and then we got I'm back, actually so. the
2: most disappointed that i had to think about it for a second like when you said it i was just yeah. like
0: wait hang on <laughs> i
2: think
1: we might have we have squeezed a bit out of that one and we'll move ahead to Collingwood versus Sydney, the game on Sunday. Um, and, of course, Collingwood won 11-11-77, one of my favourite scorelines, to 6 12, 48 for the Swans. And another friend of the show. Now, this isn't necessarily a Demeter, so I'm not calling her out. I just think it's an interesting uh, question for, for you, Connor. So the headline of the match report from Sarah Black is uh, High-Flying Magpies Overcome Swans in Tough Tussle. And then a the little subheading. The magpies scrapped past the swans in a tight contest. So I'm interested to know, scraped past versus scrapped past, what are they and how are they different?
2: Oh, um, it's actually a tough one. I actually would have been happy with either one in this little mm. suburb, but I don't know. Um, I suppose scraped might have been a closer finish, um, like they've just scraped through, whereas scrapped sort of – in. I'd say is, like, they're with them all day. It was a scrappy game, and then they've just gone on with it, whereas Sydney didn't.
1: Well, it was, it was five-point margin at three-quarter time. It was a pretty close game throughout, and then it blew out a little bit at the end. So could this have been a case where Sarah Black just added a P in because the margin got a bit too big, <laughs> big at the end, so scrapped instead of scraped?
0: Uh, I think <laughs> it's more of a play of words. Like, she's always seen... In a sense, she she knows that it's supposed to be scrape parts, but she's it's more of a scrappy game, and she's recognised that the game was really scrappy. So she's instead of instead of scraped, she's gone scrapped. Mm, I like it. Does that well, make sense? I, I, I think know. she's
2: done a I think she's done a very good job because just looking at our little screenshot we've got here, Harper, you screenshotted it um, and it says by Sarah Black just now. So she drew attention to it pretty quickly by getting us to talk about it. Uh, giving you a screenshot as it's come out. So <laughs>
0: she on the AFL app
2: trying to refresh
1: yeah. that. So she, she messaged me on Twitter saying, oh, I've got something good for you boys on the dictionary this week. <laughs> Sent it straight through. Uh, but let, let's go from the scraping and the scrapping to a uh, subject that we have talked about many, many times here on the Footy Dictionary and that is the subject regarding talent. This is from Port Adelaide versus Essendon at Adelaide Oval when Anthony McDonald Tip and woody um, uh, fumbles a bit, gives away, uh, turns it over, and it results in a Jason Horn francis shot at goal, which is where we'll
0: pick up. This gives them an opportunity. It was a gift, and they need to cash in. Well, that's what you get with a talent like McDonald Tip and woody
2: try to open things up. That's our first behind of the afternoon from Jason Horn francis He doesn't look too happy with himself. Yeah, the talented players, Jared, they, they're great when they can expose their, their talent, put it on display, but they try for some things which are low percentage.
1: <laughs> okay, got us. So firstly, Anthony McDonald, Tipper Woody talent, yes or no? And secondly, right at the start there, Gerard Healy said it's a gift and they've got to cash it in. Cashing in gift seems a bit rude to me.
2: Well, just <laughs> firstly, I think Tipper is absolutely a talent, and I don't want to insult you however, but I would say a talent and nothing more than a talent. Yourself, what would you argue? I'm sure you gonna argue differently. I think. But.
1: <laughs> I think he's too old. I, I, I think the, yeah. that talent has to have room to improve to become, say, a star. And Tipper, I don't think he's getting any better. If anything, he's yeah, <laughs> much past his peak. Can,
0: can you re- can you regress from a star back to a talent? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good question. The circle's life.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you can. I think a talent is only early days in your career, perhaps.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's definitely fair. It's just because his output's obviously dramatically dropped because he's, you know, come out of retirement and started playing, but he still shows those flashes of brilliance every now and then. So I get the talent term, but, yeah, it's, I mean, because he's already a solidified star, you can't, you can't go back to being a talent. I would have thought. I just don't think he. Again, going back, and I don't.
2: I think he's definitely. Um, I don't. I don't actually think age is that big to do with it because he didn't start playing as an eighteen-year-old. What he would have been? What twenty? How old would he have been when he started playing? I think and then he's, he's also
1: up by the bombers in when he was like twenty-three,
2: say. So. Yeah, and then he's also missed a season through retiring. So I don't think. The age has as big of a factor. <laughs> he missed when a
1: he... season through retiring. Yeah, I was gonna say, did, did
2: he even <laughs> miss a season or like five games? <laughs> I thought he, <laughs> I thought he missed like, did he play last year? That's my bad then. No, he didn't, he didn't play
1: like, la- he didn't play last year. He was uh, like really unfit at the start and then just retired, hung up the boots after round yeah. ten or something. And yeah, then yeah, uh right. It was before, right before the Dreamtime game and then uh, obviously he didn't play until uh, round one when he got subbed on against the Hawks.
2: I think he's best is more than a talent but it's just how much we see of his best so that's why i would probably put a blanket over him and call him just a talent
0: well here's another thing you can't be called you can't be in peak physical condition to be called a talent surely but you look at a jake stringer who's always had question marks over his fitness or when i say talent i mean x-factor obviously tipper now it always seems to be people that you know aren't the ones the ultimate professionals as said. Seb Ross uh, said last week, it's not the players that are doing 100% of um, the work behind the scenes and that sort of thing. they got to be a little bit uh, on edge and perhaps, mm. you know, being a little edgy on their selection. <laughs> oh, fuck. What am I saying, boys? I don't know. i give it up. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I think... Um, yeah, Jake String. I call him X-Factor, but maybe not a talent. Um, mm. And ma- maybe he's, he's almost too often off compared to on to even be X-Factor these days. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, I think once you hit 24, say, your talent uh, window is over, It's slam shot.
2: But does that mean he was already passing talent after a season of playing footy? <laughs> if he well, got picked he, up when he was 23?
1: Well, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he got picked up when he was 23. He was playing in the VFL for Essendon for a few years before that. But, mm. yeah, I, I, I do think so. I think um, ma- maybe it's a bit different. Um, it's not like he was Irish or something and he just learned the game or Mason Cox or something. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't call Mason Cox a talent. But may- maybe if you come over from playing Gaelic uh, when you're 28, you can be a talent But even then As as well, I say the words It just sounds wrong
2: Would you say That he's a star
1: No So what would you Call him Then Well I don't think Everyone needs to be Labelled and
2: categorised <laughs> Yeah that's true Connor thank yeah. you very much No no yeah. no You're right You're right <laughs> the,
1: I just think it's, uh,
2: I just think When play, When when commentators Are looking For something to say They They often just Fall back on talent I think it's a A big thing To uh, fall back on It's a curtain for him. True. So
1: and <laughs> Americans tend to fall back on Star when describing Mason Cox, even though yeah. I don't think anyone <laughs> agrees with that. Uh, but another one um, from uh, Essen versus Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide versus Essen. Uh, this is from the little like highlights clip on the AFL website. So, the good goal by Jake Stringer in the uh, third quarter, I think it was. Um, and just a headline for it and a little subheading is what caught my eye. It says, Stringer show. Uh, absolutely electric in this goal. Jake Stringer completed a dazzling major for Essendon to halt Port's momentum. Firstly, I don't think you can complete a dazzling major, and I don't think Stringer's show absolutely electric. It makes any sense. I think a show needs to be over a longer period. It's, um, it's not even one night only. It's for one moment, one goal. It can't be a show, Hamish.
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's <laughs> got to be at least three to four. I would have thought, but it's yeah. oh, these. These AFL headlines for their highlights really just do my head in. Yeah, I, like that, I think sure. <laughs> we were we, <laughs> we, we talking about this on the show. One day, yeah, were we talking about this on the show or last week? In the chat, I reckon it was in the chat. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah. we may have been because I, I was just going back to the Carlton Saints game from last week, and the, some of them are horrendous. It's like Owen slots astonishing fifty meter sparkler. Aggression converts <laughs> intercept into the magic.
1: creative, if nothing else.
0: Splendid dirt and strikes gloriously.
1: <laughs> can I hit you with another Sorry. one? Just quickly, Connor. Uh, this is yeah. from uh, Saints vs. Rose. Filippo uh, stuns Marvel with Spectacular Specky. <laughs> when Specky is short for Spectacular. I think you can... Uh, it's one or the other. It's not both.
2: Spectacular Specky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is a shocker. But I think it's just like a. It's sort of just like a. It's try to come up with the most outrageous adjective you can and put, yeah. fit it into five yeah. words somehow. That's what they go for. <laughs> yeah, so, well,
1: it's so clickbait. It clicks, it gets attention. It, like, yeah. it works for it. Okay, we're, we're
2: here talking
0: about it, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's very clickbait. That being said, I'll just. I'll just rush for the defense of the specky one because uh, what were we talking about before where you can interpret? Oh, the conic. We were talking about how everyone knows what the conic means. Well, in this case, spectacular specky, everyone knows that specky is short for spectacular mark in this case. So, I and mean, then it's the specky refers to the mark, less so the spectacular part of it. Does it? I don't know. Do you know what I mean though? Eh?
1: I still think it, it's
0: jarring. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very funny. jarring. I, yeah. I I don't disagree with you, but I, it's not like they're saying the same word twice in a row. Yeah, like of it,
1: sensational, Specky. If you really want the alliteration, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah.
0: It's, I
2: it's think also like a, if, to to um to jump to their defence, that has a that probably has a bit of a um, time limit on how quickly you need to get that out as well. The highlight mm. with the package, so with the mm. title, so yeah, I think it was just a rush of blood. If anything, I, I think anyone who's
1: written up a journalistic article or an essay or something knows that it's not too hard to look up spectacular synonyms <laughs> and come up with yeah, sensational yeah, just like are. that, and so to get job that job. talk Ask talking, a friend. Yeah, skill. <laughs> anyway, but uh, one more from uh, Port Adelaide for the uh, versus the Dons. Oh, it's, it's not the last one actually, but <laughs> another one. Uh, this is a Jared Healy masterclass for Sam Wiedemann's goal in the first quarter to put the Bombers in front by two goals.
2: Wiedemann and Langford have saluted and the Bombers have two. and Port Adelaide haven't even been in the front half yet.
0: No, they haven't troubled the keepers at all. They haven't won a stoppage. I'm not sure what they have had for breakfast but it certainly wasn't what uh, Horn Francis had last week. We'll have to get Rue Ro- uh, Ro- to do an in-depth analysis, Dermot. It seems to be uh, seriously impacting this result. But uh, Laverto, sorry, Laverde, uh, sorry, Langford was really superb getting uh, out on the uh, charge, Salicy. and that opened up the space. It's just a dog's breakfast, that 30 <laughs> seconds, isn't it, from Jared? I mean, we can go into a lot of detail on that, but firstly, the, the keeper is troubling the keepers. My first initial reaction to that was he's not referring to a wicket keeper in cricket, he's referring to a scorekeeper, but then I was thinking that doesn't make sense because it's, it's no. timekeepers. So no, no I don't think he's just. I thought it was goalkeepers. Goal
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's. It's like a soccer uh, analogy, but completely misused <laughs> and like an international rules thing. Maybe like Dustin Fletcher in goals, yeah. but it doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I well, think. Um, it's okay. It's it's not great, but I think it's okay because it's it make, it leaves it up to the mind a little bit. I would have much rather maybe. Haven't trouble the scores, <laughs> yeah. That,
0: I Maybe mean, that's why I thought a bit. The point I was he was making though was scores. that they
1: hadn't ventured into their forward half. It yeah. wasn't even like they didn't come close to kicking a goal. Like they were that bad in the first few minutes, they hadn't got into the forward half. But the keepers don't stay on the halfway line.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not great. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's, it's very interesting uh, and <laughs> a little bit of silence, which Jared. Silence just follows Jared. I think a lot of the cosy he, he gives out are often followed with silence,
1: and it seems to really be an off off tube is is that what they call it when they do it in the studio? Uh, <laughs> just awkward silences when they're not actually out yeah. around. Um, and the the breakfast chat did uh, spill out <laughs> into um, <laughs> f- further on in that quarter. Uh, but one more thing on Essen versus Port Adelaide. And would you have a stinger
2: for it?
0: And I think it's going to be a long, long time till I'm regularly seen in the forward line. I'm not a man who lets the breath low. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a journeyman. Journeyman. I serve a simple at a multitude of clubs.
1: Okay, now anyone who watched this game will be aware that our Andrew Phillips had a shot at goal within the last minute to potentially snag the draw, if that's a correct use of footy language for uh, Essendon. Uh, he did, of course, miss, uh, but this is what Anthony Hudson uh, went with when uh, <laughs> in the build-up to his shot at goal, and I want to get your views on it, boys.
2: Port Adelaide have not been able to put Essendon away. And it's Andrew Phillips, the ultimate journeyman in football, at his third club, been going for over a decade, sixty-eight games. You never know when you're going to get your shot of glory.
1: It's it's loose from Hutto. It's an awful loose from him. Three clubs. I don't think that's the ultimate journeyman.
0: I think I think he's pretty close to it. I mean, we've spoken about him before. Three clubs, a decade, sixty-six games. What more do you have to do? And be a redhead as well. Sure. That's <laughs> all your boxes, yes. Harper. Sure.
1: <laughs> but there have been some players who've been at four clubs, no? Or like, are we talking about current day players or all there's, time? There's oh, all... Anthony Hudson really needs to get into the nitty-gritty here and he left it out, disappointingly.
0: There's always going to be bigger fish in the f- sea. But well, I think... think
1: when it's ultimate, there aren't. Yeah. It's the number one.
2: I think... Um... Definitely a journeyman. I don't think we can argue against that. And we're about to have to get into it because we need to dissect it. But the ultimate journeyman, I mean, Hamish, seriously, are you really forgetting our... <laughs> our
0: Tom Hickey. Yeah, no, yeah, I could Tom never Hickey. forget Tom.
2: No, Come
0: on. Sorry, Tom. He, I think he's, he's top five in the modern day game. I think When I say modern day, I speak of players that are playing as we speak. Oh, top three. Easy top five. Top, oh, I'd almost go number one. Who else can you think of? And I think this call from Hutto is just great respect for a man that's shown serviceability to a multitude of <laughs> clubs.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what. I just just as we start to think, oh, we're not going to be able to drag anything out of Journeyman next week, Hutto just comes in and he goes, <laughs> boys. I've got you. Yeah, don't worry. I'll bring up another one. Have these. He's just thrown us a bone for us to chew on again.
1: <laughs> he has, and we'll never get sick of it. We want to play this sticker until it just the, the record just totally wears out and it's unplayable. Hank,
0: I'm almost of the opinion that Phils missed that kick because he thought that journeyman can't be match winners. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. He, he, yeah. He's got, he's grabbed the and He's gone. Oh, I've only gone. I've done it. And then he's uh, thought, oh, sh-, you know. Sh- Harper, Connor, kind of the boys, they'll probably be pretty pissed off if I go out and win a match. Like, I might be pushing, like, borderline, not star, certainly not star. I might be pushing X Factor if I <laughs> kick this. I, I bet, no, no. nah. nah, nah. Is that like the journeyman's ultimate
1: basketball. pilgrimage if he kicks the match-winning goal in, like, one of his final seasons? Like, it's like oh. journeyman Mecca kicking the winning goal <laughs> <laughs> away from Just home a with a minute to go.
2: <laughs> I think um, we can definitely agree that, all the journeymen past, present and emerging around the country were watching in awe and just praying for some hope, like <laughs> just just trying to grasp onto something and I don't even know if he's let them down by missing it.
0: Yeah, that's what no. sort of I thing. <laughs> I think we're more app- applauding the fact that he's missed it <laughs> because he's still, he's still well within the journeyman criteria.
1: You know what he's probably doing? There's some tactics and strategy at play there. He's probably hanging out for a move to Port Adelaide next year. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a bad thinking about it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> next week we can dissect a little bit and uh, delve into the history books and see if we can find the most niche players to ever kick match-winning goals for a club. There's got to be a few around, surely. Worth mm, the discussion.
1: Yeah, Sam Lloyd, uh, not not at the top, but he's the first one who came to my mind. But, Hamish, hey, we've got one final segment to go. But it's a crisis here at the Footy Dictionary. We've had a member of the team drop out. For some reason, uh, we, we do this over Zoom, and he, he just can't hear what we're saying. So, Hamish, hey, it's just down to me and you. you've got one more segment for us, mate, what is it?
0: This is tragic and uh, <laughs> oh, more the loss of our dear friends, Connor. Um, it truly is um unimaginable circumstances, and we, we pray for him. Tell you what we do pray for Harper. Uh, I went to say Connor He's not with us anymore, so uh, no. I'll tell you no. what we do pray for Harper <laughs> is uh, the social media managers of each AFL's team. Uh, they're well for it after games because they have to put out this club-driven line that yes. no one no one likes, and it really yeah. irks me because they all put out the same they, they just spin and, uh, a
1: wheel every week. There's a few options, and it's bang, bang, bang. They, it's just a, it's just a rotation. Just, what what uh, are these uh, games from this week, Hamish? Well, you, well I'm sick of it.
0: I've I've got a few for you, um, and they all pretty much say the same thing. Um, and I'm talking about the ones where they lose. So we've got we've got the Blues full time at Marvel Stadium. The Eagles, Tigers, too good. Adelaide. And for, just, uh,
1: sorry, just to add something here. There's always a full stop at the end, right? Yeah, am I correct? In always saying a that?
0: full stop at the always. end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Adelaide fought hard, cats too good. Gold Coast gave it everything. Giants fought until the end. Hawthorne, FT. Not full time, FT against Freo. Yep. The only
1: the only appropriate use of capitalisation in a losing team's post. You never say, I lost at Marvel in all caps, <laughs> Dio. That for a win um, all good but for a loss.
0: Abs- never. Absolutely not. Essendon went with gave it our all and interestingly they used the heartbreaking emoji, which was Pretty much exactly the same as what Gold Coast did with their Gave it everything. Uh, and Sydney rolled with the FT, full stop as well. Fighting until the end, but the pie's too good tonight. And then finally, North Melbourne, the Saints tough it out at Marvel, a.k.a. this was a really crap game to watch and we came out on the worst side of it. Harper, I want you just quickly uh, play a quick little game. Can you just summarise in a few words what these clubs are actually meaning? when they give us these crap little (laughs) lines. So the Blues on Friday night got smashed. They said full-time at Marvel Stadium. What do you reckon they actually were meaning to say?
1: I think the social media admins are saying, meaning to say, uh, we we were shit outs tonight, but we fear for our necks if we call out any players or decisions made uh, by the coaches or anything like that. So we're going to go with something real broad and go with something real generic and real nice that no one's going to be offended by. And look, so I will tell you what, it is Hamish,
0: it's political correctness gone mad, is what it is. Oh. It's disgusting. I'd just love, you know, one of the social media managers to go AWOL and just lose their crap and just start, like, throwing out lines, like, my God, we were deplorable tonight. I'm sorry to everyone that had to witness that crap.
1: Yeah. So we, sometimes we see the, the burning of individual membership cards, but of course clubs have access to piles and piles and piles of membership cards, thousands perhaps. They need to burn down the whole room with the
0: membership cards in them. <laughs>
1: this is this is what I follow the club for. <laughs> I can no longer support this team. Is what I think they should yeah. be going with Hamish.
0: They should lose it. They should absolutely lose their shit. It is uh, it's disgusting <laughs> and um, it's almost insulting, don't you think? When you when you get smashed and then the club just like, pulls out one of those lines, like, gave it our all, or full time here, or something like that. It's just, just tell us what you really think. Mm.
1: And but, look, I, I think you can always uh, trust yourself to to check the Instagram comments of a post after a game, especially uh, like a rival team. You might check a Nesson post or a Collingwood post after they lose in heartbreaking or embarrassing fashion. And there are always a few comments on there, which are there every single time. Hamish, hey, do you know what some of
0: them are? Uh, please enlighten
1: me, Harper. I think I know where you're going with this, but do tell. <laughs> to be honest, mate, I was asking you the question because I know there are some, but I couldn't think of any. Oh. So maybe this is something we need to investigate for next week. I'm sure people uh. know exactly what we're thinking of. We're doing this in the moment. Uh, mate, maybe Connor could have enlightened us, but sadly he's uh, <laughs> not with us at this point in the show.
2: Boys. Boys, oh. i back. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: boys. Jesus. Oh. What would Billy Graham say right now? Oh my! I'm oh, back, Lord. boys. I'm back. He's doing with Woody. I was just gonna say, wouldn't oh. it be just fantastic to hear Connor's takes on this? But um, <laughs> not to be. But he's here. But we're probably out of time anyway. So yes. it's, sort of, it's a short-lived comeback. But hey, it was better than nothing.
1: <laughs> oh, i thought of one pain full stop that's all you need a comment on yeah, Instagram and, post. Mm, um, yeah. and the facebook ones could always be a bit kookier i think it's fair to say but <laughs> we are really running out of time so that is it for the free dictionary <laughs> for this week uh, Amish. thank you very much
0: uh, thank you it was it was good it was really good and it got better in the last five minutes didn't it, <laughs> it absolutely did. <laughs> no, do you think it got better no, in the five, no. last five minutes
2: yeah, I think uh, the IQ uh, went up a bit and um, I just realised I probably could have fixed the issue a bit earlier by just um, unplugging and plugging my microphone back in. That was the fix to it in the end.
0: Well, does the show sound better on mute or not? Just give us an honest reaction, please. <laughs> oh, boys, it was hard for a hard five minutes.
1: <laughs> is it, and you can is let us AT? know on all our socials what you thought of the show with and without Codder. And leave us a review if you want. We are at DictionaryHQ on uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Reddit. And uh, please leave us a review, that'll be very much appreciated. You can catch up on all the past shows. I think we've got about 12 episodes now on your favourite podcast app. And tune in next week at 4 p.m. Melbourne time on Sin for another episode of The Footing Dictionary. Sports Desk is up next. I've been Harper Pesting up with Hamish O'Brien and
2: Connor about a gig see you next week guys thanks for listening